you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with a great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. Go to all the places you the drill. Refer your friends, neighbors, relatives to the show. Make sure you give it a good referral on uh, iTunes. Go to uh, youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. Goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. See everything we're reading over there. over there. Also go to LinkedIn, the newsletter. Wow, that thing is killing it over there. And also our big 100 32,000 LinkedIn group. All of our accounts on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for me or the Chris Voss Show. It's like so many, I can't even keep track of them. So anyway, guys, we have another amazing author on the show. He's so amazing. I'm speechless or I'm speech screwing up, but he is going to be on the show. He's going to be talking to us about his books and some of the stuff he does. It's Stephen Shaw, and we'll be talking about secrets and keys for a fulfilling, successful, and Awesome Life, which sounds good to me. That sounds like something we should definitely be participating in. One of his key books we'll be talking about today is called The Fractal Key, Shamanism, Spiritual Healing, and Self-Transformation, a Psychedelics and Plant Medicine book. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How are you? Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Congratulations. You. How many books do you have? I've written 12 books, and uh, I'm now focusing mostly on life coaching um, clients, clairvoyance, energy healing, and so forth. So the 12 books are out there just to help people um, who want to buy them, but a lot of it is direct work with me now as well. There you go. There you go. You're globally renowned mystic, spiritual coach, shaman, ta- tantra master, yeah. and author of 12 best-selling spiritual books. Uh, you've been seen on lots of different radios and podcasts. So we're glad to have you now uh, here on the show. Tell us about your life mission, if you would. Yeah, my life uh, has been quite interesting. Uh, When I was 15 years old, I had this calling inside of me, and I knew that my goal in life was to find the secrets and keys for finding out how to make life awesome and what it was about. I was young and naive. I didn't know anything then, but I just had this feeling inside of me. I think a lot of people struggle to discover who they are and what they want out of life and what they want to do, but I was born just knowing this is what I wanted to do. I was born with a feeling of, knowledge. I had an insatiable curiosity and a hunger for knowledge. And I was always thinking, even from a young age, how do we make life better? Yeah, we definitely should do that because sometimes it's not so great, especially, I mean, all the weird stuff we've had going on the last two or three years. So let's get your dot coms. We want to get those plugs. How can people find you on the interweb and reach out to you? Well, my website is IamStephenShaw.com. Stephen is spelled with a PH. It's probably not the American spelling, but S-T. There you go. So what? What? where did the strong drive come from? You, said, you mentioned earlier it came from birth and kind of, was there anything else that shaped you in your early life? I think we locked up, Stephen. I don't know if you can hear me. Gotta love the internet. The internet's a thing. 
we're just waiting for Steven to come back. So I think uh, we had a lockup on his end. So he should be back here soon. There he goes. I'm going to leave a blank pause here for those watching so that fortunately in, in post we'll edit this out. But I'll know where it's at because it'll be like in a big space. There he is. <laughs> hey, welcome back, uh, Stephen. Yeah, we'll, we'll be cutting that in post. Sure, sure. Uh, so there you go. The question I was going to ask you was, where did your strong drive come from? You mentioned uh, at birth you, uh, you kind of birthed into it, but what else shaped you in life or, or gave you the strong drive? Yeah, I, I, some people in life are born with innate talents and, and drives, and other people kind of acquire these as they go along. They meet amazing people or see th something on TV. One of my drives was my mother had severe bipolar disorder, and my home life was very unsettling and quite threatening. Mm -hmm. And then I lost her at five years old. Mm -hmm. So there was a combination of a lack of love and, and deep fulfillment from that. So the drive that I had from an early age, it wasn't just seeking knowledge because of this incredible curiosity. It was also because of this feeling I really wanted to know what fulfillment was about in love. So that was a big driver, definitely, in my life. That definitely makes a difference when, especially, I mean, any child when it loses a parent, but especially a son because a mother shapes a son a lot. And so I'm sure that had a just an amazing impact on you. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your clairvoyant experiences and what got you into that. You know, this is quite an interesting thing because, again, some people are born with innate talents. Maybe they're born with dance or music or mathematics in their soul. You know, it's kind of like that. And other people acquire these things. So in, many people are intuitive and many people are aware of this intuition. And it's an important mm -hmm. part of our lives. But clairvoyance is kind of like the enhanced version of this. And I was born like this. So I would have this experience where people would come into a room and I would be able to sense the emotions immediately and, and know things about them that I shouldn't be able to know. It was very hard to understand when I was a young child. And on top of that, I had this experience where I was seeing these beings of light moving around me. Now that sounds probably a bit new age and woo-woo, but I was experiencing it and seeing beings of light. I had no points of reference. I couldn't understand what this meant, but because I felt safe and good, I just called them the good guys. And that was part of my life. Hmm. At the same time, of course, I'm having this experience I'm living with just my father, right? And my father's a very stoic, unemotional atheist. So I'm having this strange experience myself that's deeply clairvoyant. And my father's like, don't talk to me about the stuff. Like, so I had no one to talk to. I just had these private experiences. Yeah. That's uh, pretty interesting. I mean, you'd think he'd, I mean, at least, I, I suppose if he's, is the clairvoyance <laughs> a religious experience? Is that why he didn't like it because he was atheist? Or how does that? Well, for him, he told me that when you die, it's like, the candle flame blows out and you don't exist anymore. So it's not religious or non-religious. It's just that you are nothing but dust and earth. That's all you ever will be. And that's a car. I respect that. A lot of people have that kind of idea. But I always feel like there's a lack of dimension in life if you don't understand that you are body, mind, and spirit. And I think for me, 
a lot of work I do with clients, celebrities, different people in Hollywood here. What I do with them is try to show them that there's three aspects to your life. And your body is one thing that's crucial, nutrition, exercise, and so forth. And that's a specialized field, and there's experts for that. I do have my ideas about that. And then there's a mind thing about how to overcome anxiety and depression and find fulfillment, right? And learn to do what you love in life. And that's really hard. And the other aspect, of course, is learning how to find good relationships. And that's a challenging thing. I mean, 60%, 70% of marriages end in divorce. So that's a hard one. But the other aspect is the spiritual side. You have to learn how to balance spirituality in your life. And you can call it energy. You can call it a kind of life force or magic, whatever you want to call it. It could be religious for you or new age or whatever. But unless you have this balance in life, you will never find fulfillment. You have to have body, mind, and spirit working in harmony. Sure. Mm -hmm. So did you have a mentor to develop your clairvoyance? Yeah, that was interesting because it was just my dad, and he was completely, don't talk to me about this. But when I, when I, yeah, but when I was 11 years old, I was looking at a pamphlet, and I saw these uh, people doing transcendental meditation. And maybe it was a bit exaggerated because they were sort of levitating in those pamphlets, but it was enough to intrigue me. Mm-hmm. So I, as children do, I begged my dad. I said, I re- please, I've got to learn this thing, right? So I sort of pressured him continually until he relented. And then I went to learn uh, transcendental meditation when I was 11 years old. And actually, it was a fantastic sort of first step. I wouldn't say it was mentorship, but the result of that is, first of all, very quickly, through the meditation, I had a whole lot of repressed grief that came up, no doubt to do with my mother. And I cried for two solid weeks, which worried my dad like crazy. And he begged me to stop, but I wouldn't. And after that, I started having these really profound states of peace. And then I had a few unusual experiences. One day, I think probably six months after learning to meditate, I was sitting with my eyes closed and I saw in the distance, like in my mind's eye, a silver dot and it started spiraling and rushing toward me. And then it hit me in the forehead here and, and light kind of exploded in my head. Again, I had no idea what this meant, but it was profound. And I later on learned from teachers I met in the future that this was what they call the third eye being activated. So, yeah, I had a few of these amazing experiences, but again, couldn't really share them with too many people. So you're, you, a lot of this was uh, taking place in your youth, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is all 11, 12, 13. And that's why I got to this point when I was 15 years old. I just felt a crystal clear idea of what I wanted to do, which is to find the secrets and keys to life. What makes you feel fulfilled? What makes you feel excited? What makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning? Those kind of feelings. And I mean, this is the interesting thing, right? <laughs> I'm 15. I'm pretty much without a mentor and I can't talk to many people. And I have this crystal clear idea of what I want to do. But life happens along the way. I mean, this is interesting because life is a great teacher. So if I fast forward to the age of 21 years old, I get married very young, 21, right? She's 20. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty young and naive, and I haven't really sorted out my emotional issues for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And a year later, I find her in bed with my best friend. Oh. So, there, so, well, so there comes the first learning experience. Okay, I mean, sure, at the time, it's devastating, and it like cripples you emotionally. But it's a huge learning experience, right? It pushes you forward and says, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to change? What am I going to learn? That was the beginning of something. And then I fast forward to 25 years old. And I get ambushed by three armed men who put a gun in my head and a gun in my spine wow. and rob me and beat me and tell me it's the last hour of my life. Wow. And the result of that, as you can imagine, is I developed intense PTSD. Mm-hmm. Now, PTSD doesn't just come from combat exposure. And I mean, obviously, we deeply salute veterans for everything I've done. It can happen from anything, child abuse, rape, or getting attacked like that. So I had radical PTSD. And PTSD is a fascinating thing because 
when I developed PTSD, I'd actually simultaneously enrolled in university to study psychology, which is a passion of mine, right? Mm -hmm. So now here I'm studying psychology for probably about one or two years. And here I get PTSD. So I'm having this weird situation where I'm experiencing this and learning about it at the same time. But nonetheless, I could not cure it. And no matter who, I went to different therapies and experts. And I found out only later on that most people who have PTSD have it for years and years, sometimes decades. It's almost incurable. Mm -hmm. So that was frightening. So that was the first sort of 15, 16, up to 25. That, that was the experience. Life was kicking me really hard and shaping me and telling me, listen, that's what it's about. What are you going to learn? What are you going to focus on? Are you going to become a victim? Or are you going to stand up and learn things and so forth? Mm. That's a very important thing to, to learn. Yeah. You, you can live your whole life as a victim or you can take and you can take advantage of your experiences in life and try yeah. to use them as something to self-actualize yourself. So how is your life mission forming now? Well, let me just jump in to where I was there. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me was university, right? I, I mean, I went to some therapists for the PTSD and that was, I mean, they tried. Uh, PTSD is a crazy hard thing to do. PTSD is interesting because it, it, it's a short circuit that occurs in your brain. It's like something wires up, which shouldn't be wired up. And it keeps you in a state of like the whole time. You know, it's amazing. And I feel sorry for people who have it. I mean, I'm cured now and I'll get to how that happened. That was a mm. miracle too. But, you know, university was fantastic. It taught me how to understand human nature, to deeply understand human nature. And that was a fascinating thing for me. I wanted to know what drove people. Why people do things they do, they do. What is the motivation for things? And all led me along the path of my mission. And then all these lessons in life were teaching me a few crucial things too, like the power of values, the power of integrity, the power of strategy and the power of resilience. Like you said, you can either become a victim. And let's be honest, if something bad happens, you need to be a victim for a while. You need to feel sorry for yourself. You need to say, poor me and cry and whatever. That's absolutely right. But you can't stay a victim. At some point, you have to get up and say, okay, what did I learn? What I'm going to do differently? What I'm going to change, right? So this is all shaping me the whole time. So I came out of university, and because I'm a voracious reader with this, this incredible hunger, I did dozens of postgraduate courses in neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis, and I tried to learn Reiki and all sorts of wild and wonderful things, right? And then I started reading dozens and dozens of books on personal development. And then I opened up a learning development consultancy, and I had a clairvoyant business on the side. Two very different things, a kind of corporate situation and a clairvoyant private situation. And then I hit 39 years old and a monster midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. That'll do it with the midlife crisis. I mean, everyone goes through a lot of stuff. Now, were you doing the work of shamanism and spiritual healing at this time and self-transformation or... No, the way what, what I was doing, I mean, because I was developing more and I had a strong background in psychology and so forth. I had a psychic therapy business where I would read people and give them information that I was getting from beings that were hanging around them. Because everyone's got these kind of guardian spirits, let's call them, mm -hmm. that hang, your own guardian spirits that look after you and look, walk around you all day. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing that kind of thing. And I was also doing the corporate work, training, development, corporate people in a much more straight kind of thing, if you like. But these worlds are not together. And what happened when I reached 39, I had a, the perfect equation. Success without fulfillment equals a midlife crisis, right? That's so true. I was successful in that I did what I enjoyed. I earned good money. I was successful by earthly standards. But I was not fulfilled. I hadn't really felt a way to get past this emptiness inside of me and this feeling that just wasn't enough love in my life, right? 
And on top of that, I'd never fully developed my clairvoyant ex- experience, my talents. It was there inside of me and I was using it, but I hadn't found the right spiritual mentor. At 39, still didn't find somebody who could really train me and show me how this works and what I can do with it. So I got to this point at 39 where I said, you know what? I'm going to do something absolutely wild and crazy. I'm going to give up everything, my business, my home, my country, absolutely everything. I sold everything I had and put my whole life into a backpack and I decided to travel the world, the whole planet, looking for the top spiritual teachers and healers. I wanted to know what was out there and I wanted to go until I couldn't go anymore. I wanted to go on and on until I found what was out there because I wasn't feeling satisfied. I couldn't find what I was needing. Oh, wow. So that's, that's what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you go through these things. So what are some of the experiences you went through when you started this uh, traveling and, and trying to form this? Yeah, it, it's really interesting because I quickly discovered what I call a kind of a, a pyramid. So when you're going in any kind of field, it doesn't matter if you're a musician or an author or an artist, there's always a number of amazing people in the middle of the pyramid and then a small amount of super talented people at the top. I call them apex. Mm-hmm. So when I started traveling and I was doing this full time, the first thing I noticed was, and I'm going to be brutally honest here, there was, there's a number of charlatans and self-deluded teachers, and that's in every profession anyway, but especially in anything to do with new age, woo-woo, shamanism, you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get caught in this minefield or this trap, and they can get fleeced of their money and so forth. So on the base of this pyramid, you've got a lot of these people that are, are called self-deluded that don't really offer anything of value. They believe they do, but they don't, and that's a minefield. And then if you move up to the middle of the pyramid where there's less people, you get the people that most of us know about, the good spiritual teachers, the shamans, people that offer you life, knowledge, power, things that can change your life, useful things. And a lot of people get to this position, and I hope they do. But I got to the middle of the pyramid, and it had already been like two or three years, and I'm feeling like this is not enough for me. This is not what I'm looking for. I'm not getting somebody who can really get inside and show me how to take the next step. I, I need more. I mean, I'm a voracious reader, right? I'm really qualified in psychology. Dozens and dozens of books in every subject uh, is not enough for me. So mm. I needed something more. I needed something more. And did you find it? And where did you find it? Yeah, this is what I did. I used all the contacts I could find. I, I was relentless and determined. And I think this is important. If you have a crystal clear vision and you're willing to do whatever it takes, you will get there. And sometimes, of course, you have to be ready to pay a certain price. I mean, nothing in life is without a cost. So I push and push until I found what I call the people on the apex of the pyramid. I now call them apex teachers. Mm. So if you imagine a pyramid, at the very top of this pyramid, you've got a small amount of people, but these are the true masters. The people are, I found that they're very secretive mm. and very protective about their profound knowledge and skills because they don't want everyone else to know. So these apex teachers, they don't run seminars and webinars. Mm. You don't find them on Google. And they don't have social media. I know. This is, in, this is interesting. They so didn't that, take it up last week and they're now they, a coach on it? Exactly. That, that's such a tender point with me. That's such a, that's such a good point. Yeah. So, so here I am paying the price, finding these true masters. Now, this is interesting because it's hard to find them. And they don't just let you come to them. They're going to test you. And I discovered mm-hmm. that they test you the whole time without you knowing. So you're sort of approaching a master. You don't always know who it is. And they're doing these various kind of tests until you pass. Now, the key... I finally found out for every single master is that you have to have a demonstration of earning their trust through integrity, through love, through compassion and so forth. These top masters are not going to give you their knowledge and power or or even a part of their knowledge and power if you are not proving 
that you're a person of integrity. It's kind of obvious, really. They don't want to pass it on to someone who's going to do something unethical. Yeah. So, so what I was doing is I was accessing these Apex Masters, and this is over a 10-year period. And finally, for the first time in my life, I was feeling challenged emotionally, challenged mentally, challenged spiritually. That's really mm. exciting. Yeah. And I, I imagine they don't want to waste their time with people that aren't going to take it seriously. So they're exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. They're, they're just like, yeah, we're not, we don't want to waste our time because mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people that come, but you know, a lot of people aren't serious and stuff like that. So where did you go to it from there? Well, it, part of my love of education and psychology and also because of my father, I mean, my father put this very, rational, skeptical attitude in me, which I think is very healthy. I mean, I'd rather be super skeptical than super gullible, right? Yeah. So every time I'm approaching these various people, I'm going there and saying, okay, I have a very low tolerance of beliefs and ideology. Mm -hmm. For me, beliefs are a prison of the mind, right? And ideology is something that people have when they don't have direct experience of something. So I would go to these apex people. And unfortunately, I was a little bit impatient and a little bit arrogant occasionally. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Okay. So I, I would go there and I had this phrase. I would say, show me. Don't just oh. teach me, show me. Right. Because mm-hmm. when you say show me, you weed out all the charlatans and the low level teachers and so forth. Right. So I had a few interesting experiences. Okay. So one day I'm with a small group of people. This guy called himself a metaphysical teacher. Everyone's got mm-hmm. different titles. I don't really care. That's his title. Right. So I'm standing in a horseshoe and he's at the end of the horseshoe. So he's probably two or three yards away from me. And I'm at the end of the horseshoe. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I think it's day three and I'm feeling frustrated because there's so many words and I'm somebody like this. I want answers. I want to know what's happening. I want, I want tools and techniques, right? Which is what I give my clients now. You come to me, I'm going to get you going quick. I don't waste time. I'll give you how, what things work and give you a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. So I turned to this, a little bit arrogant, I admit. I said to him, show me your power. And I've seen you talk and knock, show me your power. So this guy looks at me for a long moment, right? And then he does not move his body or say a word, and he knocks me to the ground completely, right? Wow. I mean, that's a big learning experience. So I'm not only knocked to the ground, but I can't move. I mean, I'm breathing, and my eyes are open, and I can blink, but I cannot move. I cannot get off the ground. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy standing next to me in the same group, and he looks at me and says, this this is nonsense. I'm sure you're just playing around here. So the, so the metaphysical teacher knocks him to the ground too. So we're laying there side by side, both of us unable to move. Wow. So, yeah. So obviously I got up from that and I shut up and I listened and I learned, right? Because this guy is saying, he showed me I've got something here. And I learned a lot from him. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. And another example um, is when I learned Tantra, another fascinating thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. So my first Tantra teacher is a, a wonderful female and she taught me the basics, like most people learn. She taught me about sensuality and sexuality and some really profound things, right? And this is what most of the people know about Tantra. It's the people know Tantra as this kind of thing, right? So then she teaches something called the seven chakras. Now, again, it's going like, is this new age? What is this stuff, right? I couldn't feel my chakras. I understood they exist. Now, chakras are these seven vortexes of light that exist inside mm-hmm. your body and your soul. The first one's at the base of your chakra near the spine, and then it moves up into your head. So she taught the theories and people are in this big hall. There's 20 people shaking and making these weird noises. And I'm looking around thinking, as I do, is this a, is this a placebo effect? Are these people over-emotional? Are they gullible, right? Because I'm feeling nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, again, a mid-level teacher. So I didn't really get the experience of the chakras. But here's the interesting thing. A few years later, I meet a tantra teacher on the apex. 
And this woman just comes up to me, right? Without physically touching me, she puts her hand at the base of my spine, probably about a foot away from my spine, right? And she drives up this powerful energy into my spine, so powerful that I had no choice but to, oh, these things exist. Because what happened is I realized later is my chakras, if you imagine them as a, a pool of water or a lake of water, and they're frozen over, they're blocked, mm-hmm. right? So she throws this energy up my chakras, up the channel, and I feel each chakra break, like the ice breaking. And it's like, oh, wow. I, mean, I won't say painful, but it's pretty like intense experience. And you actually feel the chakras breaking. And when that energy drove up me, again, an apex teacher, not available in Google, not on social media, right? And mm-hmm. I had to go through a number of tests, but she drove this energy up through me. And when she did this, I had something called a Kundalini experience, which people say is mythological maybe, but I had it. Mm-hmm. And the Kundalini wow. is insane because when you have Kundalini experience, you have what I call it orgasmic ecstasy. I mean, wow. it's like, it's like, oh my God, happening in enti- your entire body. Like you just like, it's, it's mind boggling. And you have a spiritual transformation, a consciousness shift at the same time. And being with her, she continually taught me the Kundalini experience until it eventually becomes part of you and you can do it by yourself. So the sort of moral in this thing really is I don't speculate about chakras now. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in chakras. I know they exist. And that's what's important. So when I'm dealing with A-listers and celebrities and other people I'm coaching here in, in California, I'm not teaching anything I believe. I'm not teaching anything I speculate about. I'm teaching things I know. And I make sure that these people experience the same thing. They don't want to, they don't want knowledge. They want experiences, right? And that's profound. Definitely. That's what, that's what transforms people. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. when you coach people and work with them, what are some of the services you provide and, and how do you help people? Well, I've created something now, which is called chakra shamanism. And because it combines, and I'll talk about shamanism in a minute, it combines the most profound experience I've ever had. So first of all, I don't want to go on and on about chakras, right? But what I notice is, and I'll come back to shamanism, but when I work with certain shamans and tantric teachers and Tibetan lamas, they had a lot of similarities, a lot of differences too, but the similarities with the chakras, every single one of them knew about the chakras, which is like amazing to me. So it's not like it's, it's only one teacher believes in this. They all have the same idea. So what I try to do is combine the power of the chakras, which touches every part of your life. The chakra is about your past lives and your psychic experiences. This is about how to manifest reality. The chakra in your heart is obviously about love and self-love. So these cover the total totality of human existence. So when I'm working with somebody, um, I'm using, I'm reading people's chakras and then I upgrade them like the Tantra teacher did. You can use a, a very particular kind of energy, same as the shamans do, to change the, the chakras. And this is the weird thing. When you try to change your mind, right, through affirmations and positive thinking, which they have some value. For me, it's like taking a teaspoon and trying to carve out a mountain until the mountain becomes flat. I mean, it's going to take you forever, right? The mountain is enormous. You've got a teaspoon. So all these little techniques, they're all valuable, meditation and whatever else, all valuable. And I never knock them. They're stepping stones. But for me, if I can whack out the whole mountain in one go, right, using the chakras, I'd rather do that because behind the body, behind the mind, behind the positive thinking, behind everything is these seven chakras, which it's amazing. Once I discover this and the power they have, now if I want to change somebody's feeling of self-love, I can go into the heart chakra and blow it apart with a special kind of energy. The energy some people call God energy, source light, whatever. It makes a difference. It's it's basically the highest form of light and love, which all the top apex teachers use. Mm -hmm. So when I'm dealing with someone, I use life coaching and I use the chakra healing and I use a few shamanic techniques. 
But the number one goal is, and what I tell people, and I want to definitely deliver, is I'm here to create rapid and radical transformation. I am not interested in taking you for 10 years or five years or three years, and you have to work with me every single week until you basically like spend a shed load of money, right? Mm-hmm. I want to get in there, give you the tools, techniques, and create rapid healing and transformation. That's what I do. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about your books. In, let's touch on this fractal key, which you think you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. About you know, yeah, this is one of the best things. I mean, part of this 10 years was meeting these different teachers. I was I lived in Tibet. I worked with lamas. And I worked in France with a tantric teacher. I mean, obviously I have to be a bit more careful about these apex people. They don't want to be advertised. But shamanism is something profound and interesting because I was looking for an apex shaman for a long time. I found a few good shamans, but one day I found two apex shamans. And these shamans were amazing. First of all, they, after I passed the various tests, they started off by curing my PTSD. Now, I want to be clear. I had PTSD for years and years, like like many people do. Whether you're a combat veteran or you've been raped or physically attacked or whatever, if you have serious PTSD, it is extremely hard to get rid of for various reasons why. The way the, the, the neurons wrap around each other, and it's very complicated psychology. Mm-hmm. But the shamans are not interested in psychology. They don't have degrees in psychology. They are only interested in energy, and they can see things in energy and manipulate energy. It's amazingly fascinating. Short story, the shamans within a few days completely cured my PTSD, which for me was shocking, a revelation, mind blowing. And obviously, after everything I've been through, the Tantra and the Tibetan Lamas, the last thing I was busy with was these shamans. And these two shamans, I guess, graduated me. So once they cured my PTSD and I went through the various trainings with them and tests, um, they said to me, look, you already have clairvoyance. So let's really you know, hone this for you and refine it. So they taught me how to walk in these different worlds. So a true shaman, an apex shaman, can cross over from this reality to the other realities, the worlds beyond this. That includes where people go when they die, departed souls. There's a sort of crossing point, a line, where the souls are moving between this reality and the other ones. You can go there and, and meet them and bring back messages from departed people. Mm-hmm. And they taught me to walk in different worlds, meet different beings, esoteric, um, angelic beings, and, and wild stuff. And the final thing that taught me, okay, I mean, this is like took about four years before they some stages. Then they finally showed me how to use this incredible energy, a supreme energy that they used for me to heal my PTSD. And they showed me how to use it for other people. So this energy can create radical emotional spiritual healing. So the shamanism, it was so wild and so profound that I was writing books as I was going along. I was in Tibet. I would do these experiences and learn and write a book. And I was in France doing Tantra. I'd write a book. So as I was going along these 10 years, I was writing these 12 books. But shamanism was so powerful that I dedicated an entire book to it. And with their permission, they let me 99% of their secrets. So instead of shamanism, apex shamanism being secretive and what it was all about and how they walk these worlds. So I wrote a book called The Fractal Key, which reveals all the secrets of the shamans. And honestly, there's no other book like this. I know I've read a lot of different books in shamanism. So here it tells you exactly how it works, what the multi-dimension is about, how you can walk in these worlds. And, and also it talks about plant medicine, which is a fascinating subject. Now, I don't know how much we should get into it here, but plant medicine basically is involving psychedelics. So although the shamans have profound energy skills, they use psychedelics, at least in the beginning, Mm-hmm. And and I can explain exactly why they do this. It's quite a fascinating subject. So yes, please do. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, you go ahead. 
I was okay. just, I was just, just you know, tell us about it. Yeah. Well, it's taken me a long time to work this out because you sort of put in together all the psychology you understand and uh, the, the books I've read and then the Tantra and the Tibetan Lamas and all these things are coalescing into a holistic kind of viewpoint to understand how to interpret everything else. So the psychedelics themselves, why they work is this. First of all, psychedelics are non-addictive, right? That's important. They're not like other drugs. I mean, I don't advocate drugs in any way, shape, or form. I mean, obviously, I mean, heroin, cocaine, these things are crazy, and no one should do these things. But psychedelics are natural plants that grow in the, in the world where they live, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, if you're in Peru, one of the psychedelics, my favorite psychedelic, in fact, is, is a cactus called San Pedro, same as you get peyote. Okay. Now, this cactus, I know. So, it's the same. In, in Peru, you've got the San Pedro cactus, and in North America, you've got peyote. The common ingredient in those the two things is called mescaline, right? Mm-hmm. And mescaline has profound effects on your brain and your on your body, right? Now, the key to understanding what psychedelics do is this. Two things, and this is what people don't get. It's not just like you're taking a drug. First of all, they open you up, right? Mm-hmm. They open you up emotionally, psychologically, and they open up your energy field. So the shaman would say, it's opening your energy field. But as a psychologist, I can say it's definitely opening up your mind and your being as well, right? Now, when you're really open, that allows something to get inside of you, which can create a radical change. So you imagine like a liquid energy of love, for example, if you were wide open like a clam, so your most secret vulnerable areas were exposed. And then I went in there and I put in some beautiful radical love, some profound cosmic energy that's hard to even explain. That would transform you from the inside out. Instead of trying to struggle through affirmations and meditations from the outside in, I'm now going right inside of you and putting that magic in there. And that's what the shamans are doing. And the second thing about psychedelics is they amplify. In other words, they will go in and find your stuff, your trauma, your sadness, your grief, your negative thoughts. Same thing. Right inside, opens up, looks for that stuff and pulls it out. It forces you to bring up whatever is bothering you on a subconscious level, repressed memories, maybe childhood abuse. So there's two different things here. And it's taken me a long time to work this out. And I've never heard anyone talk about this because it's a result of all my education and teachings and this sort of holistic viewpoint. So when you take a psychedelic, it's not the psychedelic by itself. And that's crucial. You, know, you can't sit at home and pop a psychedelic. That does not work. And no one should no, no one should do that. Because if you're sitting at home and you open yourself up and this stuff comes rushing out of you, past life trauma, childhood abuse, depression, and it blows up in your face a hundred times stronger than normal, you might have a really bad reaction, like jump out a window or have negative thoughts about, you know, suicide. So the key thing is you must have a psychedelic and you must have a spiritual teacher, shaman, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, whoever it is, somebody who knows what they're doing, right? So the first step is open your right up, amplify all this negative stuff, bring it out, look at it, embrace it, hug it, and get rid of it. It's gone forever. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with my PTSD, right? Yeah. All the stuff came rushing back to me. I saw the faces of the people who had the gun in my head, the gun in my back, and the fear. And the, I thought I was going to die at that moment. The terror. It came rushing up. I screamed like for about half an hour. I just screamed. But it was actually stuff exiting me permanently. And the result of that is pure. Zero PTSD, which is it's miraculous. And then the system's always the same. First, the junk comes out of you, right? Mm-hmm. And then while you're still open and all that stuff's open and, you, and you've got no more negative stuff, then they pour in this divine light or love or whatever else. That's as simple as it gets. 
And that's the power of shamanism. And that's a power, that's what I do with clients now too. It's such a simple, insanely rapid and radically effective technique. And the whole process is going to take you about, about eight hours. Wow. If you, yeah, if you take mescaline, you are like in this incredible space for about eight, ten hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I've been looking over across your books uh, collection too that you've taken and written. You've got a lot of great reviews on these books, hundreds and hundreds of reviews and, and a really well reviewed. Do you want to touch on any of your books before we go out? Yeah, I think I've written 12 different books and the commonality in them is the secrets and keys to rapidly transform your life. That's what I've been about. Show me what really works. So the 12 books, each one is creating an avenue or pathway to transform your life. So for example, uh, the book that's called The Walk Among Us is all about relationship skills because mm-hmm. I know how hard it is to have a good relationship. I mean, I've been divorced twice by 32 years old, right? And sure, mm-hmm. I had PTSD and whatnot, but we've all got our stuff. Yeah. And now I'm married. I mean, I'm 54 now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm now married to the woman of my dreams. I'm now in a relationship that is absolutely effortless. It actually blows my mind. I still can't, I feel like I'm hallucinating the whole time. I mean, she's, the most amazing woman, and we have zero drama. We have profound love, profound experiences. And of course, you said sheer tantra, which also helps. Oh, yeah. But the bottom line is you can have this kind of relationship, but you have to understand the skill sets involved. So this, the book called The Walk Among Us is about relationship skills. And each book will give you different things. The other side talks about what happens after death and how to, where would you go and what's going to happen to you. But there's one book I'd really like to, to talk about, and that's the last book I wrote, which is called Divine Love. Mm-hmm. Now, the title probably sounds a bit woo-woo, being divine, but I wrote this book because it was the last book I wrote. And after all these experiences, I realized that the number one thing that heals people in life and the number one thing that transforms you is a feeling of profound self-love. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to be clear about this because we live in an age of me, me, selfies, whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. That's not self-love. That's the opposite of self-love. That's people desperately trying to get attention because they don't love themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And fame for fame's sake, instead of because you've got something to offer that's serving other people, right? Or so, narcissism. Exactly. Well, that's the opposite of self-love. So yeah. I wrote this book because I realized that all these things in, in my books are helpful and profound. But if you do not have profound self-love, you'll never know peace. You'll never know resounding joy. You'll never wake up in the morning and just be happy to be alive, whether you're on Facebook or not, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll never know deep fulfillment, right? So we all want supreme physical health and we want wealth and to do what we love for a living. Those are important things. But if you only have health and wealth, you'll have success, but you won't have fulfillment. That's and you don't have, that's it. And success without fulfillment creates a crisis, which is what I went through. So Divine Love is a book that teaches you the how to attain profound self-love and also then to have incredible romantic relationships. So I would say to anybody listening, if you don't want to read all 12 books, that's fine. I mean, they're amazing books, right? <laughs> but at least read Divine Love. It, it, I put it into a hardcover book that's as cheap as a paperback and it's worth reading. So I'd highly recommend that. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So this has been a pretty insightful thing. We've learned a lot. Anything more you want to touch on before we go off? No, I think that's pretty much it. I, I feel like I've tried to give people avenues and access to what I believe are the most rapid and radical, profound, transforming things in life. So if you've only got $7, go and buy one of the books. Our books are so cheap on Amazon, right? I mean, sure, there's an information overload on Amazon these days. I mean, there's a million plus books being published every year on Amazon now, which is like, 
oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But again, it's the apex situation, right? Mm. You've got to ignore all the books that are just being thrown out there for 99 cents and be written by every Tom, Dick and Harry who's got zero qualifications, right? And go to the apex because there are apex books out there. I know, for example, there are some supreme books on business and some incredible books on physical health. I mean, I can rec- I, on my website, I recommend a few. So I've written what I believe are the apex books. So if people want to save their money instead of reading thousands of books, go out there or go into my website and look at which book will suit you. Uh, the books, you know, for seven or 10 bucks, you're going to get the apex stuff, the stuff that can transform your life. And then for the few people who can afford me and I live in California or want to do a Zoom worldwide, they can, oh, that's nice to see the comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Somebody just said they're reading a fractal key. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. And people who want to deal with me personally, I mean, that's a whole different thing because I'm going to get in there. I don't take any prisoners. I'm just telling you now, if you phone me and you want to zoom, you know, I do an hour and a half on zoom or you want to see me personally, I'm going to get in there and create radical change and give you radical tools because I'm not going to keep you on for months and months. So we're going to make you change in just a few months or a few weeks, sometimes a few days. So yeah. And I'd like to say to all the people out there, thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. We're all in this together. We're all trying to serve humanity and make the world a better place. And it's, and it's an awesome privilege to do this. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're, you're resonating with a lot of listeners. And I'm sure once we put this on the podcast and, and to get a chance to listen to it, should be yeah. pretty cool. I definitely, yeah. it definitely is resonating with one of my good friends on Facebook, Rogers in one of our groups. But yeah. So thanks Roger for uh, your comments and uh, coming on the show and, and yeah. giving some plugs out. So uh, give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs before we go out. Yeah. I'll just repeat. I mean, everything's at my website. From the website, you can find my Facebook page and so forth and so on, right? And you can find the Chakra Shamanism, all the books. So just to remind you, my first name is spelt with a P-H. So it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N. The surname is Shaw, S-H-A-W. So type in I-M-Stephen-Shaw.com. It's easy. We'll just Google Stephen Shaw or I am Stephen Shaw. You'll find me easily. And the website's comprehensive. All the links for Amazon are there. My phone number's on there, Facebook's on there. Everything's there to help people. I'm, my mission in life is to serve. You know, you get to this point, I feel like when you've achieved every dream, you're happily married, you're living the fulfilled, awesome life you preached about. Now I'm here to serve other people in every way I can. So that's what it's about. It's it's love and service, man. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for coming on the show, Steve. We really sure. appreciate it, man. Sure. There you go. And thanks about us for tuning in. Be sure to go to youtube.com for just Chris Foss. See the video version of this. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss. See everything we're reading and reviewing over there. Also go to all of our groups, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, especially LinkedIn newsletter and, uh, that goes out daily and the uh, big 132,000 LinkedIn group that's over there. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay safe. Be good to each other and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>